What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode, I want to say seven, that sounds right, of Meme Goofin' with Bailey. This week, we're joined by ESPN's Field Yates. We talk about a ton of stuff. Honestly, just listen in. I think you're going to enjoy. First question that I've been asking everyone, because this is a quarantine started podcast and we're all, I, I like to say that like, we're all kind of in the same, same similar situation, like than we've ever been in the past. Everyone's kind of on the same page, uh, at least more so. So like, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> First of all, I appreciate you asking. And I, I need to be very careful in the way that I word this because I don't want to create the illusion that quarantine is superior to life before quarantine because it wasn't for all the implicit and obvious reasons that anybody listening to this right now understands. Listen, I am so mindful as we all are of the global impact of this pandemic. Yeah. It it almost is wasting time to reiterate these things because everybody knows, but quarantine has been an adjustment for me, just like everything, everybody else. But in some ways there have been some things that um, I think I have uh, grown to appreciate quite a bit during quarantine. So my wife and I have been in Nantucket for close to a month now. And uh, it's at my mom's house, but her and I have been here by ourselves. Um, the rest of my family uh, works in a field which requires you to be on site. My brother and my mom are in real estate. My sister is a lawyer. So they need to be mm-hmm. either at homes safely or in the courts safely. My wife and I, uh, she works in finance and I work obviously at ESPN where we've been doing everything remote now for really since the NFL free agency uh, first week concluded. So Mm -hmm. we have been able to be over here and enjoy it. But what's probably the biggest, and it's going to sound sort of weird for people that are married, um, the biggest adjustment, not even adjustment, but the biggest difference is that um, and we, I, I should go check where the counter is now, but I've been <laughs> with my wife every single day yeah. since the middle of March. And since we first met the first time, first day that we met our longest stretch of time together, days consecutively never exceeded a month. So yeah, to be so together new, now, so this is new this territory. Is new, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So that part's been a real, been a blessing obviously. And then we also got a mm-hmm. dog, which was not, um, and I know Katie was on previously, yes. Katie Nolan, uh, yeah. she was talking about how, you know, I think it sounded like her, uh, in, dog and her, I say investment, but her decision to adopt a dog, yeah. <laughs> um, was, was based off of, you know, quarantine sort of prompted her. I know that she, and I heard the full story, uh-huh. but it was more quarantine driven than it was pre-planned. We had been on a waiting list to get this dog for like months. And the fact okay. that it happened to fall during quarantine was like an incredible silver lining. So we had a dog and the two of us. To our, you know, and time together. So that part of, of quarantine has been like, I, we're thankful for, and you know, again, we're thankful mostly for the health of everybody. Um, but that part has been, and I, I, it feels weird to say an adjustment. Hey, it's been an adjustment to be with your wife all the time, but it's been pretty great uh, to have all this time together. Yeah, and it's funny because you like mentioned Katie and I bring up Katie as often as I can on this podcast because every time I do, people are like, we love Katie. So like <laughs> to bring up like the Katie episode. Yeah. So she like, she's almost like the other end of the spectrum where she was like, you could tell she was like, ah, I guess her and her relatively new boyfriend were like, you know, let's just go for it and spend all this time together. So they're getting like that front end of the experience, but it's true. I think if someone asks like, oh, do you spend a ton of time with your wife or with your, or 
if you sp- sorry, my mom was running the sink. We'll cut that out. Hello, mom. If you, <laughs> if you spend a lot of time with uh, like your wife or you spend a lot of time with your girlfriend, like you're like, oh yeah, this is a lot. But then you realize when you start to think about it, like, wow, maybe it wasn't consecutive days or there were, I mean, I imagine you probably travel a good amount for work and stuff yeah. like that. So like, how different has that been? Like, obviously you travel a ton, you work for football. Like what, what has that difference kind of been for you? Like not traveling? Well, it's so at first it was, it was just like getting into a routine and it was, so we live, you know, our, our home base is Boston where we live mm-hmm. in a one bedroom apartment. And this is going to sound mundane. If I'm boring people, that's okay. They can skip forward because uh, at the end you're going to interview um, someone, a huge, massive celebrity. And it's going to be great. I, I don't, I can't reveal who that celebrity is, but they can fast forward to that part. If they're uh, but we live in a tiny apartment in Boston mm-hmm. and like things as simple as like, you know, a one bedroom feels useful and compatible when you're not together all the time, but when you're together every single day and it's like, oh uh, yeah, we're eating three meals a day together. And you know, dinner is obviously usually a coordinated effort, but a lot of times yeah. breakfast and lunch are like, I eat breakfast when I'm ready and she's breakfast when she's ready and, and same thing for lunch. And next thing you know, it's like, all of a sudden we're falling into these ebbs and flows where our kitchen feels a lot smaller. You know, the fact that we have just one bathroom makes the apartment feel like yeah. the walls are closing in. So it was, uh, you know, in a good adjustment as well. Um, and then also just like at night, so much of our content we rely upon normally is, uh, you know, I'm, as we all are here, we're sports junkies, right? I mean, yeah. usually it's like, Hey man, like I'm going to watch whatever, like even the random NBA game or NHL playoff series, you name it. Uh, so that's been an adjustment too. Like every night there's, or not every night, but during the day at some point, it's like, there is a thought process that goes into, all right, what are we watching tonight? You know, like we're yeah. putting on a movie, we put on a series that we've been watching, or we powering through another documentary. Um, so it's been an adjustment to have all this time together, which has been great. Um, and then just, you know, probably the biggest adjustment on the work front is the idea that there's never a thought to having to go and book a hotel or having to yeah. go and you know, drive to Bristol, Connecticut, which is not super far from where we live, but still, I mean, I, uh, I could do, but the no drive one really and- enjoys as someone who's done that. No one really enjoys a drive to Bristol, Connecticut too much. Totally. You knew, <laughs> no. you knew that life for your yeah. every day. Um, but just like, you know, that would be time where I would, I, I would sort of binge on podcasts or catch up on phone calls. So little things like that, that seem like mundane and ridiculous or some of the adjustments we've had to make. But now I feel almost like too adjusted. Like I went to, uh, I actually didn't have to go to ESPN campus uh, Memorial Day, the Monday of Memorial Day, or of that weekend. So obviously Memorial Day itself. Uh, they needed someone to fill in hosts on NFL Live. And like I got in the car to drive down to work and I realized, I was like, I just walked onto ESPN campus in a t-shirt and sweatpants. And like, no one judged me. There's no one there yeah. right now. I mean, there's yeah. like basically essential personnel. There's only essential personnel there right now. But I was like, I have totally settled into this life where, you know, I feel like I've tweeted this and I probably will like tweet it again because I need to work on my creativity skills. But like, you know, I, I don't wear pants with buttons anymore, right? I, yeah, I, I, I literally haven't put, and like people, have, like you, it's everywhere on Twitter, like, oh, I haven't worn jeans. I have not worn anything outside of sweatpants or basketball shorts since March 10th, I don't think. Like, I just haven't, which is probably, like, that's going to be a tough, luckily, the place I'm working, uh, the place coming up, I'm pretty sure I could dress that same way. But yeah, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like every time I go and order something from Amazon, I've gotten into a habit of throwing an extra pair of, I found like a pair of sweatpants from uh, like alternative apparel that I'm like, these are so comfortable. And yeah. I'm just, I've been throwing them in there. So now, you know, like the joke growing up is like, 
Uh, every dude has like, you know, uh, a Skittles level of like taste the rainbow of polo shirts. That's me. Yeah. With sweatpants. <laughs> I've got every color accounted. So we're good on that. Front. The, the leisure wear game though, like is never going to be the same and it's going to be expected of people. So like, you're going to be that guy with the nicer sweatpants at least. You know what I mean? So my sweatpants <laughs> are like, they fit perfectly. They're kind of like, you know, they've got, I've got like faded gray as opposed to like generic old college team gray. Um, it's like, you know, it's like high quality cotton or something, you know, it's not one of those, this is not your everyday, um, you know, the kind of sweatpants that you cut them off and turn them into sweat short when you yeah. throw them in the wash too many times. Like this is fairly high level. Some real, some real quality stuff. So For sure. something we, something we talk about here, you've mentioned obviously ESPN a couple of times, something I can like, and I joke about this in every podcast, but now I can finally confidently say like something we talk about on this podcast, we've been doing it for long enough. Now we're like, a handful plus weeks. And so something we always talk about on this podcast is kind of people's origin stories. So if you could just kind of give me a, where you started, where you went from there, how you ended up where you are today. Cause I mean, most people don't just stumble into ESPN. There's usually a story behind that. So yeah. And, and I'm probably going to go too long winded. So I'll try to like, uh, out some of the, uh, okay, good. Um, so this is like the truth, you know, every kid growing up was like, I want to be, or not every kid, but a lot of kids, I want to be a professional athlete or I want to mm-hmm. be whatever a movie star. I knew at a young age, I'll give myself like a little bit, I think there was some foresight involved here. I thought that I could be a football coach. I really wanted to be a football coach. I am from the Massachusetts area. um, And I was, I think, 11 or 12 when Bill Belichick was hired as the Patriots head coach. So at some point then, I was like, I am going to become the Patriots head coach. I'm going to take over for Bill Belichick. I knew this at a very, very young age. Um, That was my plan, uh, which now that Bill is still powering through. I was going to say you would have been waiting a while. <laughs> I was going to say like, good thing uh, there's a backup plan because I would just be sitting here like, yeah, all right, well, uh, huh, another year of Belichick, you know, rolling into 10 or 11 or 12 wins, a Super Bowl, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a football coach from a very young age. And I got, so when I was like 14 years old, 15 years old, I got lucky to have met someone who knew someone that allowed me the opportunity to, during a Patriots rookie minicamp, which this off season, obviously is not taking place for anybody. I mean, they're done mm-hmm. virtually this off season, but you know, every year teams bring the rookies in for like a three day session and it's, it's the drafted rookies, the undrafted rookies, and then usually a bunch of tryout guys. So it's, you know, for me, it felt like I was with 92 dream team of NFL players, but the reality was it was like, you know, a few guys that might make the team and then a bunch of guys who probably were collecting a check in the form of like per diem for three days. And then their football career was over. But I had a chance to go and basically be a ball boy uh, for three days. And it was like, you know, to me, this was heaven. This was my course. I mean, you name it. This was utopia for me. So it led into me having the opportunity to return to uh, the Patriots each summer. Um, as I use the word intern because a lot of times um, people ask for the condensed version. But it's, yeah. it's not like it was an internship that I applied for. It wasn't, it's not something that, my knowledge has like existed at all every other summer since, but I was able to go and sort of work as like entry level, entry level scouting and coaching. And I guess I'll just prescribe the word intern there for. Sounds kind of intern because it's most similar to that, but it really wasn't anything. Like it was, it was just like. I don't want to create the, the perception. And that like, you know, there's this way that you can go to some like hidden link on the Patriots website and apply for something. And next (laughs) thing you know, but for me, I got there and I had the chance to, I mean, I was around, uh, obviously, you know, to me, the greatest coach in history of sports, it's not a question, 
and Bill Belichick, but I got to know. So now like people that I'm colleagues with, like Teddy Bruschi, I've known since I was like 14, 15 years old, almost 20 years of friendship now because I was running around when he was a player. Um, so I spent like basically every summer vacation or summer break when training camp started up and then every winter break. And when you get to college, like my, I went to Wesley and we had like a five week winter break. It was an eternity. Um, and any other time that I was back home, I would go to, uh, go back to the Patriots. And, um, I get sent a screenshot all the time, uh, from the Patriots Giants Super Bowl, uh, the mm-hmm. 2012, I think that was the, I think it was the Arizona, they were playing in Arizona. No, I take that back. That was 2007. It was the, the 16 and 0 season. Um, I'm on the sidelines and you can, I can reenact this for, for your purposes. People won't be able to yeah. see this obviously because <laughs> I was wearing a long sleeve shirt and there's a, there's an image of me just like this. <laughs> just biting on the collar of my shirt because I love it was a, yeah, the Patriots ended up losing that game, obviously. And I'm on the sidelines there. And it was like one of the, it was 17, 14 was the final. And this was like um, right after Brady attempted like a 65 yard Hail Mary to Randy Moss. And it was one of those plays that like when you watch it 50 times over, you're fully convinced that this is Randy Moss. Of course he could have caught it. Right. Of course. Um, yeah, Of course he's going to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that is again, my long winded thing. So I always wanted to do this. And then I kept doing that all the way through high school and college. And I got a lot of exposure there and I kind of felt like I was, you know, on the track after I graduated from school, a guy named Scott Pioli, who, uh, in February of 2009 was hired as the Kansas city chief general manager. He previously had been uh, the head, basically the head of the Patriots scouting department. He was the NFL executive of the decade for the two thousands. Um, he is uh, a, a football lifer and just one of the, like one of the single mm-hmm. greatest people I will, uh, I, I have met. Um, he hired me to go work in the scouting department. So I got the chance to go and, uh, we called an in-house scout. And again, it was basically grunt work, but there were three of us that we, we worked in what we call the fishbowl. And our job was to basically do anything that needed us to do. So the stuff that was like, kind of like cool was, uh, you know, we'd break down, we'd make what we call point of attack tapes. Technology has advanced even in like the 10 years since this took place uh-huh. that uh, these are a lot easier to come by, but we would go in you know, 2010 draft, for example, we ended up drafting Eric Berry. So I spent you'd watch six games of Eric Berry and you'd get the good, bad and the ugly and you'd compile all those plays and then compress them into a tape so that when the GM who has to evaluate, I don't know, a thousand players needs to watch Eric Berry, he doesn't have to sift through, you know, hours of, of plays where he's not involved. He's a safety. It's one thing giving them the goods. They fly. trust you to just yeah. find what's best and just give them the goods. Sweet. Yep. And then we were learning how to write scouting reports. And then some of the cool stuff that I enjoyed was we were responsible for like anytime a player workout was taking place, we'd go pick these guys up from the airport. They'd basically be, or we'd basically be their chauffeurs for 24 or 48 hours, which uh, you may sound like people may be like, that sounds like actually not cool at all. But the, the part that was, that was useful mm-hmm. for my purposes was, exposure to new people. That was really cool. And you know, you learn a lot about someone, um, or you can learn a lot about someone in a car ride from the airport, 30 minutes late at night. And, um, you know, the GM or the head coach is probably only meeting this player during like the workout itself. Um, you're there. That's like, you know, you might see a guy who shows up to, uh, you know, you have to go pick him up for a visit early in the morning, take him to the, to the doctor at 5.30. And you tell him like, hey, be outside at 5.30. And next thing you know, it's six o'clock and the guy's still not there. Yeah. Now I get it, six o'clock is early. But those are the kind of things that like make small impressions. And I always tell people of like some of the great, great player interviews uh, and and uh, visits we had before the drafts. And Eric Berry, who ended up taking, um, I felt, I honestly truly felt like 
spending the day with him, it was the most polished and professional person I'd ever been around. And he was 22 years old or 21 years old at the time. Uh, I remember we had Gronk on a pre-draft visit. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, if I can have like just half the happiness on a day-to-day basis, this guy seemed to have every single day. So Gronk, so Gronk is Gronk, of course, right? Like everyone knows that Gronk he is his public is, persona. He is that guy. Yeah, he is that nice so, guy. Yeah, he's just like this happy. gregarious. Yeah. yeah, he's happy. And he was unbelievably like thoughtful and like all the coaches and, and scouts loved him. You know, the big, the reason why Gronk fell because he had like a legitimately major back issue. He yeah. didn't play his final season in college and it was super scary. Um, but it was, it was hard to find someone who didn't really gravitate towards the personality of both of those two guys amongst others. So I spent parts of three years in Kansas city doing that, doing coaching work too. So I'd spend games inside the coaching booth, um, and work with uh, Todd Haley, our head coach, in sort of a right-hand man role. So I really, I, I absorb a lot uh, from some really great people during that time. Um, and I would love to tell you that I had like a flashbulb moment or an epiphany where I was like, oh, I'm actually going to leave and go work for ESPN. But the honest mm-hmm. to goodness truth was that I didn't have that. I instead had a moment where, you know, I don't know if this is vulnerability or whatever, but I was 23, 24 at the time. And I realized that like my only professional exposure had ever been to football. Um, I had friends who were you know, high school, my fifth year high school reunion, or I've had friends who were on the early age of getting, you know, engaged or married and maybe having their engagement parties. And they'd be like, Hey man, like you come in. And I'm like, sorry, I can't do, you know, uh, I can't make the trip to New York City this weekend because I've got to be in Oakland for a game against the Raiders. And again, I love yeah. all those experiences, but when, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have a close group of five best friends from college that, you know, they're all grooms in my wedding and right back, you know, same thing for me and their weddings. And so I didn't really have the chance to experience some of the things that they were experiencing. And I kind of wondered to myself, like, have I um, committed myself to a path uh, that I'm not entirely sure on? Do I need to give myself some exposure elsewhere? Went home, back to Boston, got my real estate license, couldn't stand it. And so then I said, you know what? I need to find some sports back in my life. So I started a blog and I pounded the pavement on a blog. And literally, I don't know if my audience is more than my friends and close family, but it was great exposure. It was a great way for me to sort of uh, learn how to become a media voice. I started tweeting. Um, you know, I started to do things like create my own podcast that again, no one listened to. I didn't even publish mine. So you're way far ahead of the curve. I'm pretty sure like, and this is funny too. Like I was just talking to some of one of my new coworkers about this and he was talking to a podcast about like there, if you can't do your job when no one's paying attention, then you're never going to like, you're not going to be any better at it. You're not going to enjoy it anymore when there are a ton of people listening. Like when you, it's like every person, Katie talks about this. Like everyone I talk about, like talk to says like, they were podcasting and no one was listening. They're writing on blogs. No one's clicking on like there, you know, you get one like on a tweet and it's discouraging, but it seems to be the people that, you know, can power through that are the ones because I mean, I have people now It's so funny. I'm 25 and it's hilarious to me that I'm in a position of people asking me for advice, but it does happen all the time. And the main thing I can say is like, you have to want to do it just to do it. And like, of course, grass is greener. You're going to hate your job at some points. Like you have people who who all say, oh, I don't like my job. Like, oh, you complain about your job. Your job is to tweet and write blogs now. And I'm like, everyone gets washed up eventually. Like everyone gets sick of what they're doing. Everyone gets sick of people telling them what to do. And that's the main thing I think a lot of people don't realize. And people kind of end up rising up and, you know, getting good jobs like you've had are the ones who you're able to kind of swallow it and be like, not doing work for the praise. Cause yeah, is it fun when you get a million likes on something or 5,000 views or whatever be it? Yeah, it's great. 
but that doesn't give you that much more joy than the result of just creating a good product. If that makes sense. I, I think it makes entire sense. Yeah. And, you know, obviously your perspective is spot on and, and you're so far accelerated relative to where I think I was at 25. And um, even the, you know, the world has changed since then and social media. And it's cool to have that perspective already. I'm going to put a pin in this quickly because I know like my first two answers are long winded. So I'm going to go back to the abbreviated form. Yeah, but we'll get back to it. I got it written down. No. Okay, there you go. So I started this blog and this blog turned into, I wrote, I wrote like 39 or something like 39 emails to people like outlets in and around Boston. That was where I was living uh, and still live obviously. And one person responded to me right away. And one person responded to me with an email that was, Hey, I'm going to try to help you. And his name is Mike Reese and he covers the Patriots for ESPN. And he sent me this lifeline and I didn't realize it, but, and, and I don't fault people for saying, you know, for either ignoring my email or saying like, I appreciate this, but I'm not in a position to help you because the reality is that like, if someone asked me to help them to get a job at ESPN, there's only so much latitude I have. Right. I mean, exactly. yeah. um, I don't, I don't, it's not my day to hire people. Uh, but Mike, uh, extended an, an olive branch and helped me. And he invited me to come down and help him with the 2012 NFL draft. And that was a year the Patriots had two first round picks. They took Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower. And that was like the ball started rolling down the hill. The first night turned into, well, can you come back the second night? And can you come back the third night? Hey, what are you doing for OTAs? Any plans for training camp? And so I started to just pick up duty through that. And ESPN eventually said, like, we are glad that you're enjoying this. Mike is more than capable to cover the Patriots basically by himself. Um, so maybe there's some other stuff that you can do. And one thing that I love about ESPN, um, I think it's reflective of a, of a good, smart company, is if you can do one thing, they figure out if you can do two, if you can do two, can you do five? If you can do five, can you do 10? And that was kind of the track that I got on. And at first it was doing things like writing for ESPN Insider, which is now ESPN Plus, tapping into my scouting roots. Then it was podcasting. And eventually things have kind of settled in by now. Um, but in 2013, we started a show called NFL Insiders. It was me and I think seven others were part of the original cast. Jeffy, hmm. Moore, Lewis Riddick, Adam Kaplan, Ed Werder, Billy Devaney. And it was a no former players, no former coaches show. And it turned into sort of my first exposure to doing regular television. And from there, my role has sort of just sort of organically grown. I started working on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, which is you know, a huge, huge part of what I do. Um, you know, really in the football, in the season itself, a lot of my coverage is fantasy driven during the off season. It's more, you know, free agency insider ish driven. Um, but it's turned into this job that I would have never necessarily counted on, but I've absolutely loved. And like, I know you, I feel I've, I've sensed this in following almost everything you do is that you have moments where you can't believe that like, this is your job ranking yeah. states ranking bodies of yeah, water, right? I know, it's right? Like, yeah, like, and, yeah. And that was like, it, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's preposterous. And do, it's funny though, cause like, I try not to be like, I have dealt in my past a little bit with coming across as like pretentious and I don't consider myself a pretentious individual, but I've dealt, I, 
I struggle with tone on the internet sometimes. So like, it's kind of hard to like, I shy so far away now because I'm so cautious of that of being like, this is awesome. And it's my dream job. I can't believe I do it, but I feel like I've earned it. You know what I mean? Like that's a tough kind of yeah. thing to be. And you also don't want, and I also don't, you never want to answer someone when they say, Hey, I want your job. How do I get it to be like, I don't know, be kind of good at what you do. Like, that's like always the tough thing that I totally. found navigating. So like, that's why I started the podcast to have other people come on and say nice things about me. And then I right. can point at that. And then I can say, look, guys, look, it's not just me saying it. And I have sources that like, I, I can cite sources on it now, you know? Yeah. Listen, I've, listen, I've got a whole laundry list of things that I most admire about your feet. If you're ready for me to start ripping, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah. No, oh, but, yeah. But, it's cool, but you know what I would say about social media is that there's a, there's no playbook for it. Right. Like no yeah, one no, ever, not when at all. Twitter started, no one said like, Okay, here's how it works. No, just like you have a little. And if bird. you try to follow a playbook that someone's tried to create, you'll stink at it. So, totally. like, you know what I mean, yeah. And the other thing I would say is, like, on the, the tone, like, you're going to lose tone. It's going to happen. No one's going to totally decipher what you're saying appropriately every single time. Like, I've learned to try not to take stuff too personally. I was having this conversation with Mina Kimes at one point recently, and it was mm-hmm. like, um, I, I had joked with her because. Uh, my iPad, which I don't use that frequently, still gets Twitter notifications, which I've lar- yeah, I've tried to turn off yeah. on my phone because it's sometimes you, know, oh, tweet, you have like, to. Yeah. And I checked my iPad and it was like, Mina Kimes followed you back. Like, Mina's one of my good friends. And yeah. I was like, Mina, I was like, you followed me back? I was like, what's the deal? She was like, ah, I think I had some sort of Twitter issue. Like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, hold on. First of all, I know it was, I know that we have followed each other for a long time. But second of all, is that like, there's one thing we got to stop doing. It's taking stuff like that personally. Because people do I get know, right? big mad when they're like, I got muted or I got, or I guess you couldn't tell if you got muted, but you know, I got unfollowed or, you know, uh, whatever, like it got blocked. Um, it, it's like, it's, it's stunning to me. Like it is what it is, right? If someone wants to, wants to follow exactly. me or unfollow me. Or and the funny me, thing too. The funny thing too, uh, cause, but it's funny. Cause like when Mina followed me, I almost threw up. I was so excited. So like, it's funny. Like I can say that I can say that. And then at the same time I can be like, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. But like the thing that I found is like, it does me no good, like stressing about that. And like, also yeah. I honestly like believe this. I don't think I'd follow myself if I wasn't me. And like, like the volume I tweet, like I don't, I don't tweet at all. Like how, like I like following people that don't tweet that much. I mean, I don't follow a ton of, like I really don't follow a ton of people. I only follow like 500 something people, but everyone's when I, whenever someone like I like admire follows me, I'm always like, Oh God, they're not going to enjoy this. Or when someone unfollows me, I'm like, nah, I don't really blame you. So, but it is funny because like, who are we? Like, even if someone is our friend or a family member or something, who are we to be so like to think of ourselves in a way that we're so offended. They don't want to see every thought that pours out of our mouths or out of our fingers onto Absolutely. a keyboard. It's really funny when you think about it. You know what I mean? Like and, and I'm going to be offended that someone doesn't want to know when I wake up at four in the morning and tweet about some dream I had, like that's going to bother yeah. me that someone doesn't want to see that, you know? Hey, and if you unfollow me because you don't like some of my tweets or my content, cool. Good luck. We're good. Find I, we're else. good. Me and you were good. I like your Twitter. Yeah, You're safe, yeah, but, <laughs> but I, and, and right back to you is that like, I don't follow you for like the only, like only the good ones. Right. Like part of it's like stand up comic, right. I always hear from like comics saying like, you know, not every joke lands. Right. But like, you know, that's, that's the reality how you get good at comedy is that like, you're going to have to take your lumps and like 80% or whatever the number of your jokes are just sort of like, ah, like, yeah, that was, was funny. And I'm going to laugh because I'm in a room where you're, 
you know, I paid to come into this, this, you know, this comedy theater and laugh exactly. at you. But, but if you were alone fun. looking at it on your phone, it's probably not getting a real chuckle, a real laugh out loud out of you. Maybe an yeah. LOL, but not a real laugh out loud, you know? Totally agree <laughs> on that. But that's, you know, part of the reason I, I, I do love Twitter. So I, uh, I, oh, I mean, I, yeah. Integral role in our lives, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like the only, it's, it's a, it's an entirely other plane that I exclusively exist on. And I'm, I'm thankful for it for a variety. Like I just had this thing today where I tweeted, um, I had like third, I overpaid for rent and got $30 back. And I tweeted like, yeah, I have 30 bucks. I'm inspired by like Shay Serrano, who's always giving money away, just like giving totally. so much money away. I liken myself to him in a ton. Like we, like he was an English teacher in the past, like I was, and like he transitioned into media. So like, I just look up to him. So I was like, oh, mind you, $30. I was like, let me send $30 to someone, but that could go a long way. You never know. And then I ended up over the course of an hour, other people jumped in the mentions and said, Hey, like, I'm also happy to throw in money. We donated two grand over the course of an hour, like two hours ago. And this is all just strangers donating to each other. Like it wasn't even me giving money. Like it was me being like, someone be like, Oh, I have cash app. Now Venmo. Oh, I have cash app. Here's 30 and just helping each other out. So that is like, obviously you you love Twitter for that because that doesn't happen otherwise. There's no way. And the courage also that people have to ask for help on Twitter because I could never. You know what I mean? And like the courage to be yeah. like, hey, I need some money right now, like is amazing to me. Totally. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your, do you, do you, do you reveal the MO on this publicly? Or yeah. That- at Bailey Wright Carlin, B-A-I-L-E-Y-W-R-I-G-H-T-C-A-R-L-I-N. If you want yeah, to. Where do we end up on, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you on Venmo yeah. right now. Thank I'll you. Throw, I appreciate I'll throw a hundred bucks into the pot to make people there feel we go. a little better about them. Oh, who knows where that will go to. Did we ever yeah. land somewhere on, uh, you, at one point you were entertaining the idea of going with, a BW is like, you know, your proper name. Here's the thing. And so no like it was right. Yeah, I know. It was right about a year ago. And like, I got new glasses. It was okay. what it was the story. And I don't need glasses, but I got, I was getting bad headaches. So I got the blue light glasses. Cause everyone's like, yep. I was, it was when I think I was still, yeah, I was still sports illustrated. And, yep. um, I was doing like night shifts. So I was in the dark looking at a screen for like eight plus hours a shift. And I was like getting these crazy headaches. So I wore these glasses and I'm like, you know, like I was making, I think I made a joke and over revealed and overshared too much. Like I always do on Twitter. It was like going by BW now. Don't ask me any more questions. Like this is who I am with like my glasses trying to be fancy. And then I've added like 16,000 followers on Twitter since I changed my name to that. And so all of the, like I get people who DM me really love your work, BW. When I got reached out to about jobs, when I, when people reach out to jobs, they're like, should we put like on your paperwork, like, or if we're sending you an offer sheet, like, is it Bailey or BW? I'm like, oh my God. So it spiraled into this whole thing, but I kind of like it now. And like, I'm kind of into, into it. it too. Yeah. And I saw you recently tweet about it again. Like I'm thinking yeah. about, you know, keeping it going by the way. So it, this yeah. is like my, all right. So this has been done. Hopefully it's going through in a second year. I'm not very good at like podcasting and also doing we got that. it. And at the same time, there you go. Hopefully, it makes a little. Uh, we got it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, that. man. Of course, this is it's, I, this is what this is what I love. Right? Is that this is how um, this is the good side of Twitter, and there is a dark side of social media, and no question about that. We're seeing that, yeah. But and, and, yeah, for sure. But uh, I love what you're saying about like a uh, one small kernel of kindness can turn into you know a much bigger thing. Um, all right, so I hijacked the the BW yes. slash Bailey. Sorry. <laughs> BW definitely feels like I'm, I'm going to read a novel by BW Carlin at some exactly. point. Like now I'm a blogger. I'm not just a tweeter. Yeah. Like I'm a blogger now I'm getting into the writing space. Like everyone knows like blogging, uh, I'll probably be writing novels soon. You know what right. I mean? totally. and like, I feel like totally. BW is, that's a logical next step for me. So I feel like that's, I feel like that's a good right way. Thing. That's, you know, and thinking about this more like Bailey can be your name. Like that can be your, that can be your social name. Mm-hmm. That can be like, 
you know, like your, your, your TikTok handle can remain Bailey or something. Yes. You're probably up a play on words somewhere there. So I'm into it. Yeah. But BW yeah. just, just feels, smart. I just think, I think it started as a joke, but I think there's humor to, or there's truth to every joke. There's truth to humor. And I think I was, I, I can admit on this podcast that I was kind of, I think hoping people would start calling me that and it's worked out totally. now. So I think I'm going to lean into it. So to talk about the, to transition, this is a good transition. We don't have segments on here. So I just transition on whatever at yeah, any time. We literally don't have a segment. We have the, how are you segment to start, but then it's just yeah. all, all free willing after that. So to talk about like the, maybe like not necessarily negative, this could be either, or I'll let you answer for yourself. I don't know why okay. I'm answering for you. So you work in like the fantasy space. So you're in the fantasy space, you give advice and you give suggestions and you try to lead yeah. people. I wrote like six total gambling articles for sports illustrated and yeah. almost was nearly like was getting lambasted because I gave bad picks. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be in the advice game anymore. Like that yeah. was a realization. So what's it like to, you know, that feedback and just like, cause fantasy is very, very important to some people. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, this, I, I compare it to the comment section and articles, right? No one writes a comment, you know, they don't, when, when BW's novel comes out, maybe yeah. this will be different cause you'll have like positive book reviews, but like when uh-huh. Bailey's blogs are out right now, Yes. Maybe, you know, a Barstool might actually have the audience as such. Like, I, I think that most people who are on Barstool appreciate and like are really into the content there, right? Like They are. Yeah. When you do well, they'll let the, you know. When you don't, yeah. they will. But when you do well, they're there to support you for sure. Whereas I do, th- I maybe think that like, just like, I don't, I'm, I'm traditional is not the right word I'm looking for, but like, you know, ESPN serves um, fans that like, you know, we, we don't write, you know, if, if we have to write a piece about, it, I'm just making this up here, why like the Suns are never going to win the NBA championship. Like mm-hmm. we, 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 we don't have the ability to like only write nice things about every single team. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so I compared it to the comments, the comment section, no one, very few people uh, on Sunday reach out and say, dude, I so appreciate that you talked me out of starting Mark Ingram today. Um, and instead you told me to start, I'm just making this up here, right? Melvin Gordon. Um, yeah. It's like, mostly it's, dude, like you are the biggest piece of crap. Like <laughs> I could have, you know, literally uh, closed my eyes and submitted my lineup and done better. Um, I'm going to unfollow you right the second. And it's like, there are a lot of layers to that one there. Like, first of all, like, sorry that you're having to choose between two really good players. Like, tough, yeah, you sorry must play a real good. tough league, yeah. right? Like, I'm sitting here <laughs> Sorry your four-team league. Yeah. yeah. I'm deciding, like, I'm agonizing over, like, if I'm starting the third-string Vikings tight end, and this guy, you know, versus, like, you know, yeah. uh, I don't even know, Taysom Hill, who hasn't even played tight end until, like, last <laughs> season, you know? Um, and so, anyways, um, but here's what I learned. So I learned this early on is that like, I don't take it too personally. I try not to ever, I, I take pride in sort of not ever taking it too personally. But where one thing that I, I made a change of last year and I don't know. And I was, I was listening to uh, Katie talk about this uh, on your show what, two weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, and I thought this was interesting because I, I've been, I thought about this myself is Katie had talked about how like, you know, even though her audience has grown to a massive, massive one on Twitter, she still takes a lot of pride in like the engagement uh, with her you know, people that are just sort of absolutely you know, or whatever, just the, you know, the everyday Twitter, Twitter or Twitter user. What, like they close, um, like the one-to-one human interaction yeah. that you can get on there. Yeah. So I last year going into the season was like, I just would be curious what it looks like if I just turn my mentions to just like close my mentions column. Right. Mm-hmm. And the downside that you're losing is that like, you know, Hey, there is some one-to-one engagement that you really love and appreciate. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the questions are coming from a really good place. Like it's not as obvious as like, 
which one of these awesome running backs should I start? It's like, Hey, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about this wide receiver and my flex because of his injury and the defense he's playing. Uh, there's a guy who I have a running back who I'm not totally certain he's quite as talented, but I'm thinking about it. What would be your take? And the person, if I answer them, is going to be grateful for the answer at the time. And even if the call is wrong, is still going to be grateful for the fact that I engage with them. But my engagement has decreased uh, rapidly in terms of like conversing back and forth uh, with Twitter followers. Um, and probably more so than I would like for that to be the case. But, um, you know, the, this in sometimes like one or two bad eggs can ruin like the experience of like 10 people. Right. Oh, so that's the truth. Yeah. So sometimes what was happening was, you know, you'd respond to a question and the next thing you know, it would turn into a Royal rumble in your mentions of people going back and forth at each other. And that me, I'm like, guys, all I'm trying to do is help one person out here. So, um, I have found that with fantasy, don't take it personally. Um, stand by your call as best you can and just be focused on the process as much as possible, right? Because the result is unpredictable. Fantasy is a gamble. It's, it's certainly not a gamble, but it's a projection game, right? Yeah. I mean, we have no control over it. If, I, I, I use this as the simplest way to describe it, is that every week I am going to rank Patrick Mahomes ahead of let's say Mitch Trubisky as my quarterback yes. next year. All right. Every week, every single week, there is a chance and like a fairly reasonable chance that Mitch Trubisky outscores Patrick Mahomes like three times in a week next year. Not a guarantee, mm-hmm. but there's a chance, right? So does that mean that three out of 16 times I was wrong or does it mean or that, that you had no idea what you were talking about these three weeks? No. Right, right. It means that three it's out of 16 really simple, times. That's like a very good, yeah. simple way to look at it that I've never thought before. Yeah. That's great. So I always say like, you know, what, what do you want me to do here, right? Because even if you are not a quote-unquote fantasy expert, even if you never played or even if you're not super familiar, ask yourself what you would do. Would you play the prodigious Super Bowl MVP and NFL MVP who's 25? Or would you play the guy who, you know, like is made for Twitter? He's got 17 different memes uh, at his expense, right? So um, that's sort of where I land on it is that you can't take it personally. And my goal in fantasy content, and I, I give a lot of credit to Matthew Berry on this, is that I think fan- there are so many fantasy experts. There are innumerable podcasts covering fantasy football. Our goal is to obviously educate you as much as we can and help to make your decisions uh, as much as we possibly can. But I'm, I, I don't know about above all else, but near the top of my priority list is to be entertaining with our content and how we convey it. And that's what I, I tell Matthew is that I constantly remind him because, and if he wears his heart on the sleeve and this is, you know, a part of what I love him is he does wear his heart on the sleeve is you know, we might, when we meet before our show on Monday mornings, he'll, you know, he may have won in, you know, his three leagues he cares about the most, but he'll be yeah. you know pissed off because he told someone, you know, he, he was all in on Carlos Hyde and Carlos Hyde had, you know, 45 rushing yards and no touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. And I tell him, Matthew, Dude, in a lot of times in fantasy football, a lot of us are thinking a lot of the same things, right? Like yeah. everybody's got the same sleeper picks going into the year. Which is funny because there's some pre- – that, and I've known that because like I worked in just more so the distribution of fantasy content. But sure. you know, I worked at Sports Illustrated and there's a ton of fantasy stuff there and I was behind the scenes on a ton of it. And the really interesting thing there is like there's that pressure to even be slightly different and take that little risk. And because like if 10 of you pick the same thing, it's no fun. You see it when guys are picking week by week. You see it for daily fantasy. You see it like there is that – 
kind of strange pressure to deviate a little bit, which either works out really well or you shoot yourself in the foot after you're like, really, I didn't just, I didn't just say Patrick Mahomes. I had to be bold, you know? Totally. So you don't like, what do you want to compromise? Do you want to compromise what you believe or do you want to, you know, open up the door to, you know, hitting a grand slam? Well, you know, that's sort of what it comes down to for me. So I was telling Matthew is that like, you can say the same thing that a hundred other people that cover fantasy football are saying, but 98% of the time, you're going to be so much more wildly entertaining than anybody else. That's what I, that's what I admire about you most, man. That's why you know, I consider him, and I'm not just saying this to be a mensch. Like, that's why he's the godfather. He is the king. He is the face yeah. of fantasy football. And to me, always will be. So that's, that's my approach to fantasy is I want to make it fun. I want to make it informative. I can't promise you that every pick's going to work out, but I can promise you that um, all of the work that we do is researched and comes from a place of trying to make you better while also having some fun doing it. Which, what else can you really ask for from someone at that point? You know what I mean? Well, they just, can, well, I mean, know, there's a ton to ask Twitter, for, like, actually, that's all I guess. You, you can yeah. ask for, you know, 100% correct yeses, basically. Yeah. Well, that's all I had for this episode. We tore through that actually really quick. I think probably because you're an absolute pro at this and are able to get to your points quickly when usually I talk circles around myself. Yeah, debatable. Debatable. Um, debatable. I really appreciate you coming on. This is the part where I let you plug your stuff that has a million times more viewers than my stuff does, but it's in good faith. And you never know, maybe you'll pick up someone from this, you know? I like that. What do you have going on right now that you think people should check out and enjoy? So right now we're doing remote. So actually if you, again, you can see this, but not the people that are listening to this. I've got like, this is my setup of, uh, maybe I can pull up my little tripod tripod for, uh, for NFL Live, uh, we do, again, remotely for, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, we're back in the studio safely soon. But for now, this is what we're doing. Uh, the Fantasy Podcast, again, you know, right now for very quiet football news, right? So we'll see, um, you know, how quickly uh, content sort of gets going again in earnest because of the fact that, you know, there are, uh, right now, there's not a whole lot going on. And we'll, we, we keep our fingers crossed that football is played as scheduled. Um, and it looks like we're making some positive strides here. But, um, you know, I was talking like, you know, the, the best way to find what I do is follow me on Twitter at Field Gage where we have fun mixing it up in the DMs. And right now there's not a lot of football stuff going on. So some of our news will be less football related than normal, but trying to entertain as best we can. Absolutely. And Zach, do you want a question today? Are you interested in a question today? Do you have something? Do you know interested. something? Can you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is it. This is. Yeah. Of course, we can hear you. This is the mangled most your microphone and then held it an inch from your face. This is the most important part of the show, by the way. This is what I hear everyone come back. And yeah. Say is the best. Part. This is the goods. Yeah. No. I, I think you uh, you hit on something uh, earlier that we've now heard from like multiple professionals, and I think it's really important to hit this because we do have a lot of like young people that listen. Like I know Bailey sure. does a bunch of sort of like mentoring and stuff, um, but like there's no path, right? Like it's totally. Uh, it's a hustle from like the start and you know, it's creative, it's artistic and you just got to like do it, like just bite the bullet and do it. And I think like the cool thing about podcasting is it's like similar to like YouTube, but it's even cheaper now. Like it's totally democratized, like developing content. So um, I think it's really cool. But anyways, yeah, I guess like, what are your thoughts? Obviously we're remote, like sports are are becoming like e-gaming is like really like esports are, are making a comeback. Um, do we need sports now or are things too crazy? Like, like should, should we bring them back? Should we wait? Cause I, I'm like nostalgic for it, but then I'm like, I don't know that I can enjoy a game right now. Cause there's just so much going on. 
So, you know, what's funny is I was thinking because I've had the same conversation just you know, mostly with my wife because she's the only one that's around um, about uh, just like sports and bringing them back and what it's going to be like. And what I want to remind people, uh, what I've been reminding myself, and I think is like an important thing to remind people as sports are on the precipice of returning is to manage expectations. Like that's just a good rule of thumb to follow in life in general. But so, so sports, like I, I'm not like a diehard soccer fan but I found myself like, yeah, I'm, I'm checking out Bundesliga and I'm going to, you know, I saw like La Liga and Premier League both uh, announced June 11th and June 17th. The NWSL comes June 27th. And I'm like, wait, like I'm looking forward to watching these things. That's what I'm saying to myself in my mind. Now, when I get to them, I can't sit there and say like, I don't even like soccer or no fans. This is so dumb. Like just manage expectations. Right. So I am ready for sports. The caveat that we sort of started the show with was like, I, of course, we hope everything's safely done and executed. Um, you know, this is not like, I don't think anybody was totally hundred percent prepared for what we're dealing with. And like, I think it's, it's showing itself through some of the leadership decisions that we have that commissioners are forced to make, but I don't begrudge them. Like I hear people dragging Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner daily. And I'm saying to them, like, I don't how much time did Adam Silver spend thinking about this before, um, you know, the minute it happened. Right. So, um, I, I miss sports desperately. I look forward to having them back and even the morsels that I've gotten, whether it's rewatching old games, obviously great documentary, the last dance and Lance was really entertaining for the first episode. Um, I think as long as you manage expectations, then this is a good thing and then do it safely. Again, obviously. Um, but I, I'm just like, uh, I don't want to speed up to 2021 when things are, you know, I would presume, or I certainly would hope are normal. Cause I just, I don't ever want to live my life thinking so far in advance and right. not wanting to enjoy what right. we have Writing going off on right a now. Year basically at that point. Yeah. But at the same time, like I understand why that instinct is there. So I'm just going to try my best to enjoy some of the things that we have. And that is, and I, I've also found time for some other stuff that like I, haven't spent or dedicated as much time to in the past. Um, and but for sports, like I, I really, I really can't wait because ultimately like, it's not just the sports themselves, the idea of competition, it's the idea of advancing stories and narratives, um, transactions, all of those things are things that I, you know, I long for because it's, it's, they, they course through my veins on a daily basis, on a daily basis up until quarantine. That's a good answer. I don't think I could come up with a better one. That was an unbelievably good answer. That was an unbelievably good answer. And we're good. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you guys, yeah. on. No random Twitter follower this week. Next week, I'm planning on having someone. I say next week. I'm not sure exactly when that'll be, but planning on having someone who's had some extensive protesting experience. I wanted to do that this week. Ended up falling through with the person I wanted to talk to. So we're just going to do it next week and skip this section for this week. Thanks, guys. Remember to rate, subscribe, review, whatever makes the most sense wherever you listen. See you soon.